Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're so glad you're here with us. We're in week three of a series we've called Cultivate. If you're our guest today, maybe this is your first time, we're honored that you're here. If you've got your notes right there in front of you, you can click the link there online and you can follow along with us. You're going to remember 80% of the things you write down, only 20% of the things you hear. So I want to hope, I'm going to encourage you to write some things down today because I know you're going to be encouraged. Uh, We're in week three of this series. Week one, we kicked it off, titled the message, People of Purpose. People of purpose. We said that we are all called, we all have a calling on our life, called to, uh, to serve the Lord in some capacity. We're all committed. We're committed believers. And we ask the question, what are you committed to? What have you actually committed to in your life? And I love the last thing we shared that day was you're capable. We're all capable. We're all capable to do what God's called us to do. And I know if you're like I am that uh, at some point in your life you've struggled with that reality. Am I really capable? Can I really do anything good for God? Maybe you've struggled with that because of your past sin. Maybe you've struggled with that because of just your reality, the family you grew up in, the circumstances that you didn't do anything to, to, do, to get in, but you're there because of your family, because of the life that you've lived. And you've just struggled with the reality that maybe you would, God, you could be capable to do anything good for God. But did you know that most every hero in the Bible felt that exact same way? Most every hero all throughout history, uh, as it relates to the gospel, as it relates to God using them for something significant, they were all felt incapable, looked incapable. God always seems to choose the most, uh, uh, the most inopportune people, the people that didn't look like they would actually do anything. And then he uses them to do incredible things for the gospel uh, in their sphere of influence and oftentimes around the world. So I want you to know today that you're capable. We knew that. That's week one. And last week, week two, we talked about being people of tenacity. Just having the, the, the grit, that's a good word, the grit to, to dig in and to hold on. Another good definition is the, the, the capacity to hold on and not let go. I think often when I think of tenacity, someone that's just got a little growl uh, in their attitude and their ability to just to never quit, to never give up. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again. And all, uh, all, uh, all last week, we discussed the, the value of just being tenacious. We said this last week. We said that there are people in your life, in all of our lives, there are people in our lives that probably will never see Jesus on their own. It'll require tenacity on our part to do what it takes to carry them to Jesus. It's a great story in the Gospels where this, where uh, some, that some friends took their paralyzed friend and lowered him down right to the feet of Jesus through the roof of a home because they couldn't get in any other way. And I don't know about you, but we all know that there's people in our lives. I know there's people in my life that are paralyzed. They're paralyzed with fear. They're paralyzed with anxiety. They're paralyzed with addiction. They're paralyzed with brokenness and bitterness and anger. And they're never going to get to Jesus on their own. And it's going to require tenacity on our part to dig in and to hold on. Grace is a messy thing. It's never been beautiful. God decided to get in it in spite of what it was. He sent his son, Jesus. The Bible says that while we were still enemies of the cross, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came at the right time and sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could be rescued and reconciled back to the Father. That was week two, people of tenacity, people of tenacity. And today, I want to talk to you about surrender. We titled the message, we're going to be people 
of surrender. If you've got your notes, you can read with me Joshua chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It's been our theme verse. Such a beautiful picture of the local church and what I hope is our church here at Cultivate. It says, but your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest. And he has given, just as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord God has given them, only then may you return and settle here for the, on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has assigned you. I love that passage of Scripture as God is uh, reminding Israel, come on, it's not about you. It's not about you. My life, it's not about me. Your life, it's not about you. Did you know the giftings that you have, the abilities that you have, the things that God has used you with? It's not about building our own kingdom and, and growing my own individual life. I know that that's a popular thing in culture. I know that culture says take care of yourself, the American dream, right? It's all about uh, getting ahead for yourself and making sure that you're taken care of because nobody else is going to do it. Self-care and self-help and all of those things. Do you know that most of that is contrary to the gospel? Even in the Old Testament, God was reminding the people of Israel that yes, God's given you rest, but don't go, don't go actively pursue that until others have rest as well. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, until he's given them the possession that he's given you. You ever wonder why, if you're a follower of Jesus tuning in, you ever wonder why the day you met Jesus, why didn't you just go to heaven? If it was all about me and it was all about my reconciliation and all about my peace and my joy and all about me, why, the moment we accept Christ, don't we just go to heaven? Well, it's because it's not about us. God has gifted us and given us the abilities to help others see Jesus. I would submit that your purpose here on earth is really wrapped around helping your sphere of influence know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. The last two weeks have been wrapped around that. We know that my purpose is fulfilled, helping people. I find significance in helping people. Tenacity, it's going to require to help people, to serve others. Can I tell you today, it's going to require surrender. For me to be able to do that, it's going to require surrender. There's nothing that, that we see in Scripture that God calls us to that doesn't ultimately require us to lay down our own self and pick up the call of God, to lay down our own preconceived ideas and pick up God's purpose and plan. The Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, surrendering your heart, surrendering your will to his will. So what surrender means, it means to cease resistance to an enemy or an opponent and submit to their authority. That's good. To cease resistance and to submit to their authority. Here's what I've learned in my own life, that surrender is really not surrender if I agree with it. Surrender is really not surrender if I'm on board with it. If it's easy to go along with it, if I agree with it. It's only really surrender... If I'm, if, if, if I'm having to do it with some resistance, it's to cease resistance, even though, what's that mean? Well, even though I don't agree, or even though I see a different way, even though I think it's better to go this way, Father, I trust your heart more than I trust mine. 
The Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things, isn't it? In Jeremiah chapter 9, who can know it? Only God can know it. So, Father, when my heart is leading me this way, I'm going to trust to see if, it, if that lines up with the truth of your word. And if it doesn't, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm surrendering my life. We've all had moments in our lives where we've had to surrender to something, right? We all have. Uh, I had one just this past week. Just last Sunday, I hit a moment of surrender in my life. Many of you know, uh, uh, many years ago, when I was 12 years old, I, I broke the front tooth in my, uh, in my mouth, my top front tooth. And I've dealt with that for many years. I've had crowns and root canals and all the stuff uh, that goes along with that. And uh, just a, a, about two years ago, I was told that, hey, we've done all we can do. The next thing that we need to do is, is actually going to require some surgery. Uh, we're actually going to have to put an, uh, an implant in. We're gonna have, and it's going to take a while. It's going to be months worth of work. And really, you're not really going to recover. It's going to take about a year for you to recover. And they told me that's the next uh, step, and I was like, I don't know about that. I was scared because I have a, I'm, I'm scared of needles. I've got a needle phobia, and I've never really had to do anything major. God's blessed me. I've been healthy most of my life. And uh, so I just decided to glue that crown back in and just live with it, do what I could do, and go as far as I could go. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, just last week we were here at, at our Alabaster campus and I was speaking at our uh, church for the weekend and in between worship experiences, somebody had given me a connect card and I was sitting on the front row, worship had just started and it dawned on me, I need to turn this connect card in or I'm going to forget it and, they're, and they're not, it's not going to make it where it needs to go. So I grab that connect card and I walk around the back of the auditorium and as I'm turning the back corner, I don't know what happened, I didn't trip, I didn't bump into anything. All I know is the, the, uh, the crown of my tooth broke and flew out of my mouth. Yeah, that, I know it. What you're, what you're thinking is exactly. I panicked. I was freaking out. I was on my hands and knees trying to find my tooth. I said, I got to preach in like five minutes, ten minutes, and I don't have a, there's no way. So I'm on my hands and knees, people trying to help me find it. Finally, I found it, put it back in, and finished the day. But in that moment, I surrendered to years worth of fear. I'm going to the dentist tomorrow. And they began the work and began the process of, uh, of, of, of fixing the things that have been broke for all of these years. And maybe there's something in your life that you have just lacked surrender in. Maybe there's something right now in your life, maybe not as goofy or as funny as something like that or losing your tooth in the most inopportune moments, but maybe it's something more. Maybe your marriage is struggling because you've failed to surrender to some things. Maybe you've allowed your pride and your own preconceived ideas to hold on. You've latched on to those things instead of surrendering to what you know is the right direction, God's purpose and God's plan. And you're lacking surrender and it's devastating your marriage. Maybe you've failed to surrender to the Lord or to community or to accountability. Maybe you've lacked accountability for so long and that addiction just keeps on holding on and you can't seem to figure out why can't I conquer it on my own in my own strength because you never will. It's going to require surrender. You're going to have to surrender your life, your heart, your plans to God and allow Him and His way to help you to overcome those things. There's nothing in your life that God can't restore, that He can't redeem, and that He can't build back up if you surrender to Him. At Cultivate, we know that we're just people of surrender. It means that a family of believers, we're committed to the truth of the Word of God. So much that if it differs from any of our own emotions, if it differs from any of our own preconceived ideas, 
That takes a back seat, and we surrender to His will. I'm going to share with you a few things today, this morning, on what surrender brings. What does surrender produce in your life? It produces some incredible things. And then I'm going to give you two challenges before we leave today. So let's, let's pray and let's dive in. Father, we're thankful for your word, thankful for your grace and your mercy, that your word is alive and breathing and it is for us. It equips us and it inspires us, it corrects us. And it, uh, Father, we thank you that, it's, uh, that it gives us the tools that we need uh, to, to, to live out our life in a way that honors you. So today, I pray that you do what only you can do through your word. Holy Spirit, meet us right where we are, right where we are, tuning in from all over, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit of God would work on our hearts and we would live a life on purpose that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Surrender produces vision. It produces vision. I love the passage of scripture in Proverbs 29 and 18. It says, uh, it says where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says it this way, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, what they mean is when there's, when there's no vision, there's nothing to live for. There's nothing to live for. They perish. They cast off restraint. They go anywhere the wind blows. Every idea is a decent idea. Every thought is a good thought. Every thought seems okay. Why? Because there's no vision. There's no direction that they're walking in their life. Vision gives you your steps to get to your end result. Maybe you're here and today you're tuning in and you really just don't have vision for your life. Your goal is just to get through the next day. I'm just going to get through today. And I know we've all been there at points in our lives where it's okay just to, like you're just surviving. You're just doing the best you can to get by. But can I tell you that's not God's best for your life? That he wants something greater. Jesus said, I came to give you an abundant life, a more than enough life, even on this side of eternity. And when we surrender to God's will, it's only then we can see vision for what his purpose and plan is for our life. Where there's no vision... People have nothing to live for. They perish. They, they, it's just like the story of Saul in the New Testament. You see that Saul eventually became Paul. He thought that he had direction, and then he met Jesus, and he gave him a vision. He gave him a vision for what he was going to do with his life. He got saved. Jesus radically transformed his life, and Paul began to use his influence with others to plant churches all over the world. Ultimately, we're here today because of one man's surrender. In the local church. The local church exists around the world because he surrendered to Jesus in a moment and gained vision for his life. It's vision. Vision brings clarity. Vision brings clarity. Maybe you've uh, felt that your life is just kind of the waters are muddied. I don't really know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. I have these desires in my heart, but I don't know how in the world I would get there. Can I tell you, maybe you need to submit to Jesus. Submit your will to his will. Lay your plans out on the table and say, Father, is this something that you want for my life? And begin to walk in step with the direction of the Holy Spirit because vision always brings clarity. I would submit to you that if you don't have clarity for an end result, then chances are your vision isn't God's vision. If the waters are muddied, it's not God. Because submission, surrender brings clarity. I know this, that design determines your destiny. Design determines your destiny. When you begin to surrender to God, the Bible tells it this way. It says, before you were born, he wrote down a design for you. He wrote down his plan, his purpose for your life. And I want you to know today that that's not muddy. 
It's not vague that God's vision, God's, God's purpose for your life can be made clear to you the moment you begin to walk and surrender to Jesus. It brings vision. Surrender produces vision. The next thing you need to know is surrender produces endurance. Surrender produces endurance. When I've got vision, I don't know about you, but uh, there's been things that I've had vision for in my life it's not always the instantaneous thing. Oftentimes when I get a vision, I realize that the Lord has given me steps to get to an end result. But it's a lot of steps that's ever going to get to that end result. And oftentimes it requires endurance to follow through with the vision. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says it this way, Therefore I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't run like somebody who doesn't have vision, who doesn't know where they're going. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Endurance. Endurance. I don't run like somebody running aimlessly. I don't box like somebody hitting the air, not knowing what they're doing. I do it with endurance. I do it with vision. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm, what I'm doing. And step by step, I'm going to see God lead me in the right direction. If you ever had to do anything that needed endurance, I, I, I don't run as much anymore. I'm kind of getting back into it, but I used to run a good bit. And I learned early on that if you just don't quit, that there comes a point in every uh, significant run, if you're running, there comes a point where you're exhausted and your legs are hurting and your lungs are screaming and your body's saying, stop. But if you choose not to, if you choose to push through that, there's always something they call a second wind. Runners who run often, they call it the runner's high. There's this thing that happens when you can push through, when everything in you is telling you to stop. When everything in you is telling you to give up, there's this thing that begins to happen when you hold on and you can endure through the difficult part of that season, that short moment in the run, that you begin to, to gather a second wind. And all of a sudden, your muscles stop hurting and your lungs stop screaming. And you can continue running, often faster than, than when you began to begin with. It's that second wind that, that endurance produces. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pushing forward. Here's what I've learned, that often time doesn't burn you out. It's doing things that, un that are unfulfilled. Walking in unfulfillment, doing something that just to be doing it, when there's no purpose and plan behind it. It's hard to stay enduring. It's hard to endure through struggle when you don't have vision for an end result. If you feel like I'm doing this for no good reason, it's a lot harder to endure, to keep pushing forward. It's why you need to discover your purpose. That's what happens when I begin to gain vision for my life. God begins to give me purpose and it gives us endurance. Here's the key to endurance and to living your life on purpose. Are you ready? You want to write these down. Number one, you try. You fail, number two. Then you learn. Then you adjust, and then you repeat. That's the key to endurance. I try, I mess up, I, I learn from my mistakes, I adjust from, that, from the things that I've learned, and I try again. I never quit. I don't give up. Why do I give up? Because God's given me a vision. 
I know what God's called me to do in my life. I know what God's called us to do in this church. And we don't always get it right. And there's seasons when it's difficult. And there's a lot of waiting seasons. We've done that in the, in the context of this church. Even in the last couple of years where we've been trying. And, and we know that God has a, a facility for us. A church. A facility to grow into. And to expand the vision and the mission of what God's called us to do. Across Shelby County. But there's been seasons of waiting. There's been seasons that's required endurance. Where we've had to sit back and allow God to do what only he could do because we couldn't do it on our own strength but we were never going to quit we messed up we tried we failed we learned we adjusted and we got back up and did it again we endured through difficult seasons and as a result we've seen God do incredible things surrender brings endurance number three you need to know this that it also brings significance it also brings significance be careful not to practice your, righteous, your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Think about that. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others just to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. It also says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And if you, eat, if you give an, even a cup of cold water to the one of the least of my followers, you'll surely be rewarded. You'll surely be rewarded. What's he saying? Significance doesn't come from people that see it the most. Significance, if significance came from everybody around me that sees what I'm doing, and all of the stuff that I do produces that for other people, then, where, then, then why is he saying here, don't practice it in front of others just to be seen by them? If you do, you'll have no reward. You see, my significance comes from surrender to Jesus. My significance doesn't come from all of the things that I could do so everyone else could see it. It only comes from surrendering to Jesus. And if you even give a cup of cold water to one of these least of my followers, you'll surely be rewarded. Here's two lies. These are extra in your notes. Two lies that people always seem to believe. Number one, if people don't see the things I'm doing, then God must not see them either. We believe that lie. If everybody else doesn't see them, if, then God must not see them. Except God says the things that you do in private are the things that I'll actually reward openly. The things you do in surrender to me, not, not in hopes that everybody could see it, not in hopes that it would gain more followers on social media or that it would get more likes from everybody or more accolades here on earth. He says, if you do it in secret, I'll reward you openly. He says, hey, just surrender. You surrender and walk that out to, uh, according to my word and see if I don't reward you on my own. You don't have to worry about trying to, uh, trying to get it on your own. You can just trust and surrender to Jesus. If people don't see the things I'm doing, then God must not. Except that's not true. Number two, the other, the other thing people believe is if people don't see the things you do, then they must not be important. If people don't see the things you do, then it must not be important. It could not be farther from the truth. It could not be farther from the truth. We have people here in our church that most likely you'll never see the things that they do. You'll never see the accomplishments that they've done because they do it behind the scenes. They don't do it for accolades, and they don't serve for everybody to see it. But can I tell you, if they didn't serve and if they're not here and the things that they're accomplishing behind the scenes that nobody sees didn't happen, then nothing good would have ever come out of what God has done through our church. It's the things that are unseen in God's kingdom, in the spiritual realm. It's the things that are unseen that often are the most important. 
It's the things that are unseen that often are more valued by God. Their greatest significance often is serving Jesus in any capacity that people never see. And yet it makes the greatest significance in the kingdom. What are you doing now that maybe you felt so insignificant in? That you, felt, that you just felt just didn't matter? Can I tell you, surrender to Jesus equals significance. It produces significance. Number four, it produces legacy. It produces legacy. I love this passage in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It's talking about King David. We lived his life. He had served Jesus. He had messed up a lot. He had, he had served the Lord. He had abandoned the Lord. He came back to the Lord. He lived a life, uh, in, uh, the Bible says in the New Testament, that even after all of the things that he did, it still called him a man after God's own heart. Why? Because even though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. And David lived a life of significance and a life of legacy. In Acts chapter 13, it says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When he had fully served his purpose in his generation, he fell asleep and he left a legacy. Come on, the, the lineage of Jesus came through David, King David, who'd served out his purpose and lived a legacy. Legacy is what lives on long after you're gone. And maybe you're here today and you go, man, I can't live. There's no way I'll leave that kind of legacy. There's no way I'll, I'll leave any kind of significant thing behind. Well, here's what I want to encourage you to do. You can't do it. You, none of us can do uh, everything for everyone. But we can do for the one what we wish we could, we could do for the thousands. You could find somebody this week and you could love one person this week. We practiced this as a church. Did you know as a young church, we couldn't do some of the things that we had dreamed of doing for the masses? We had to say no to some things that we just did not have capacity to do, but that didn't stop us from dreaming, and it certainly didn't stop us from doing for the one what we wish we could do for the thousands, and little by little, God began to bless, and we would give a little more and help a little more and do a little more, and this church has grown. Listen, so much that like our ability to give more has, has, has grown, our ability to serve more has gone our church now because we began to just live for the one we did what we could for who we could and when we could and that began to grow the significance the legacy of our church cultivate church if you talk to anybody outside of our church in our community we're known as a generous life-giving church why because we just say yes when we can if it's in ever, if it's ever in our ability to love people and serve people it's always a yes and I would encourage you to take that and surrender. When I surrender to Jesus and I do what I can, when I can, with what I have, it always leaves a legacy. It makes a difference in those around me. So what do I do with that? What do I do with all of those things? If that's what surrender brings, how do I respond? Well, number one, you need to write this down. You need to turn to Jesus. You need to turn to Jesus. Proverbs 3 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. He'll make straight your paths. Jesus is trustworthy. You need to know this, that he'll never fail you. We believe, Acts chapter 15 says, that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. We've all fallen short. 
of God's standard. We said that last week. We've all missed the mark. There's not a person you'll ever lay eyes on that that got it right the first time. But there's also never a person you'll ever lay eyes on that Jesus didn't die for. And I want you to know that today could be your day of surrender. Jesus could give you vision. Come on, he could change your life. He could begin to build endurance. He could begin to give you significance. You could begin to live a life of legacy. It begins with a life of surrender. Come on, your marriage is on the rocks. Turn to Jesus. Addiction's got you bound. You need to turn to Jesus. Bitterness has wrecked your life. Turn to Jesus. You're living in fear and anxiety of of things over the the last year and a half. You need to turn to Jesus. There's sexual sin that's gripped your life. Jesus is the answer. Gossip. Jesus is the answer. You don't have self-control in your life. Jesus is the answer. Surrender to Jesus makes all the difference. May we always be a church, a people of surrender. Jesus is the Lord of our life. That means that I lay down my emotions and preconceived ideas and I pick up the truth of God's word. You need to turn to Jesus. And the last thing I'll share with you is you need to turn tomorrow into today. What do you mean? Well, I know that many of you heard me say turn to Jesus and many of you are saying, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that maybe next week. Not yet. I'm not quite ready to give that up. But you need to turn tomorrow into today. Why? Because I'm telling you that we're not promised tomorrow. We're not, we're not promised the next minute. Your life can be lived out. Jesus can radically change and rescue you from the things that you thought you'll never overcome or never get past. And it always, all it requires, surrender to him. And you need to do it today. The Bible says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Where he says, in an acceptable time, I've heard you. And on the day of salvation, I have helped you. Paul said it. He said, listen, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So right where you are, that's you today. You need to surrender fully. You know where you are. You know if that's you that we're speaking to. You know that that's you the Holy Spirit is touching right now in your life. I need surrender. You need to surrender your life to him. Gain vision and purpose for your life so that you can begin to live a life on purpose that makes a difference. You can become a person of surrender, people of surrender, living a life that matters for eternity. Right where you are, you would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender my life, my preconceived ideas, my lifestyle. Right now you're here and you've lived a lifestyle. You're living right now contrary to Scripture, contrary to the Word of God. Your emotions have led you one way and you've justified it for far too long. And you need to know that there's a God who loves you and you'll never, he's never ever not going to restore you and redeem you. And that can be a life of surrender. You thought, man, if I made these, if I made this decision and I made that decision, then I'd finally be happy. Only to make those decisions and walk into that relationship or, or do that or, or, or do that thing that you thought was gonna bring happiness and it just didn't, and you're still as depressed and you're still as hurt and you're still as uh, as, as lost as the day you made those decisions. Why? Because you didn't surrender to Jesus. Surrender to him. You would say, Father, I surrender my life to you today. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. Thank you, God, that I've surrendered my life and you have forgiven me of my sins. And eternity is now my home. From this day forward, you are the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.